Hello and welcome to Making It, the podcast about making theatre and making it as an artist. I'm your host, Tammy Wilkie, and each week I'll be chatting to an emerging playwright, theatre maker or theatre company about how they make theatre, why they make theatre and what they do to survive. I'm really excited to welcome Richard Gadd to the podcast today. He's a writer, actor and comedian who's become known for making work that is powerful, confessional and really pushes the boundary of his chosen genre. His show Monkey See Monkey Do won him the Edinburgh Comedy Award in 2016, despite it not neatly fitting into the comedy bracket. The show was incredibly funny, but also very poignant and emotionally raw. It explored masculinity, mental health, sexuality and sexual assault, all whilst Gadd ran on a treadmill. His first solo theatre show, Baby Reindeer, has just come back from a sellout run at the Edinburgh Fringe, where he won the Stage Award for Outstanding Performance. Baby Reindeer transfers to the Bush Theatre on the 9th of October, and I'm so excited to see it. Welcome to the podcast, Richard. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for a lovely introduction. No worries. You had nothing to be nervous about. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, my first question that I yeah. ask everyone is, how did you get into theatre? And I'm aware that this might be like kind of... Uh, more complicated question for you potentially yeah yeah it's interesting I've sort of always been a fan of of, of theater I've always sort of followed it but I've never really you know I've acted in plays and mm. I've done all this, this theater student theater stuff <laughs> and I've uh I've always and, and I, I actually did a theater and English degree back at Glasgow University oh. so I've always loved theater despite yeah. you know when I was at uni I, I really indulged in comedy yeah but the comedy I, I did was always very theatrical so mm. I think I've I think Baby Reindeer which has come about you know, 10 years into my comedy career, finally doing a theatre piece, I, uh, it sort of feels, it's, it sort of felt like this gradual period of self-acceptance, almost like a theatrical coming mm. out, you know, like, <laughs> like, because all my comedy shows were so theatrical. Mm. They were sort of theatre shows that were funny. Mm. And so, but I've decided, I decided with this one, I'll just go and accept yourself, do a, do mm. a theatre show. Uh, and I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed it very much. And so when you say like, um, the comedy shows that you did even back at uni they were theatrical like what do you mean by that yeah yeah like i uh, so when i started out you 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 go on the circuit and you you just try and figure out what the hell you're doing mm. really and so uh, i always kn- knew i wanted to do something kind of different i always found deconstructive humor quite funny mm. what, um, what do you what do you mean by that, what that like mean? sort of like uh, comedy that made fun of itself like anti-comedy right. is another term for it it's sort mm. of like comedy that's funny because it's not right, I know right. that sounds sort of strange no but I think I know what you mean but I would do these I would dress up in uh, like a suit and I'd pretend to be like an old school comic and I'd come on with like a, a notebook and tell these really crass awful <laughs> jokes that would always bomb and I'd like feedback as I went along in this notebook uh, mm. like I'd give like the jokes a score rating as they went along and it was quite theatrical and quite mm. different to, to what what else was out there at, at that period of time looking back on it not as clever as I thought it was in, <laughs> fact, uh, in fact it makes me cringe now and, mm. and I really thought at the time you know when you're young and naive and you, you think you've discovered something yeah you convince yourself that you're doing something groundbreaking but it's almost but like meta comic like exactly it's, and that's exactly. like there's something really theatrical in meta theatricality so yes, it's exactly. like there's a line that's like really close with that yes exactly and, and that's exactly what it was but but what that sort of what i didn't realize at the time it would always go one of two ways it would either go really well or really bad right really, uh because it but also like i don't know who did i think i was i just started out <laughs> and now i'm trying to make fun of comedy as an art form mm. I, I don't know i look back on it and it, it does make me kind of embarrassed and mm. and you know even though the jokes are satirical that they do they they are just they are bad jokes <laughs> at the same time so i don't know i'm glad i moved away from that but mm. but even from from day one on the comedy circuit i was trying to do something different i mm, guess mm. and like what 
what led you to study was it English and theatre? Yes. Like Glasgow. Like, did you watch theatre a lot as a child? Like, how did you sort of get into it? Well, yeah. Well, I went to this. Uh, I went to this state school, and uh, you know, I, I, I the, the, the drama department in the state school were like this, this, this gem of a sort of department. Mm. You know, the teachers seemed to care way and above beyond what you'd really expect from from a state mm. school. They were they were inspirational to me, mm. uh, Mr. Duran. <laughs> Miss Mrs. Essler, mm. uh, that were, were completely inspirational, and they always went above and beyond. It was always this, uh, and I loved just looking forward to drama every single time. And, mm. uh, and they ended up doing a school play on Macbeth at the Bio Theatre in ah. St Andrews, mm-hmm. and uh, I got cast as Macbeth. Oh my god! And uh, you know, I had I had a young romance with Lady Macbeth oh at my the god. time, <laughs> and. Uh, there was were like formative years, and mm. I knew as I did that show, even though it, it was a school production, and mm. you know, I, I knew that this is what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Mm. But when I left school, I, uh, I, I, my parents wanted me to do a degree. Mm. Uh, I thought it was maybe wise <laughs> uh, to do a degree. I could, uh, but the, but the passion for acting, writing, theatre never never died. Mm. It, was, it felt like four years of really postponing getting around <laughs> to that. But but at uni I discovered comedy and did all this stuff. So yeah. it was really it was worthwhile. But but I think from from that that moment on when when I sort of started doing drama at school, that was that was when I knew that's what I wanted to do forever. Mm. And did you see a lot of theatre? Uh I did see a lot of theatre. Yeah, well 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 I it, we were at, we were in Fife, so there was mm-hmm. there wasn't much theatre mm. in Fife. We had the Dundee rep. Uh-huh. You know, and that was great. And we would go and see like the Midsummer Night's Dream. I always remember Midsummer Night's Dream. They had like an underwater pool. I remember oh, being wow. very inspired by that. We went to see. We went to see a few things. If, you know, especially if it related to the course. Like if you were doing like some Brechtian stuff, mm. you would go and see some <laughs> massively deconstructive sort of piece of theatre. Mm. But I remember being particularly inspired by we we all got on a bus and went down to Glasgow. Uh, to the old fruit market and saw Black Watch. Do you remember? Do you remember oh, that show? Uh, so I've heard a lot about it. Because yeah. was was Vicky Featherstone involved? Did she did uh, Vicky that? Featherstone was involved. I think she was uh, artistic director of the Na- uh, National Theatre of Scotland yeah. at that point when mm-hmm. Black Watch. And I think John Tiffany directed it and Gregory mm-hmm. Burke wrote it. Cool. And uh, I mean, it blew my mind. Mm. I think I was like sixteen, maybe fifteen, and right. I just remember, uh, I just couldn't believe it. It, it was incredible and moving and majestic and mm. and I sort of feel like uh that's when so you know if, if Macbeth was when I knew I wanted to do theater mm. Black Watch was when I knew I wanted to do writing I think mm. you know that's so interesting so it was the school was amazing yeah. like, like for you know for for a school that didn't need to try yeah it, they really did and so yeah you've spoken a lot about your school and that impact on like your relationship to theater but like what was your parents like kind of relationship to theater did they have one at all i wouldn't i don't know i mean i mean they're they're uh they've never this thing i love about my parents before they've never said no mm. in a way they've, they could have been more pushy than they they were they, mm. they they're not from a theatrical background at mm. all but they they could have been more pushy and i'm sure like when your kid says oh i want to I want to go off and be a writer and an actor. <laughs> mm. They're like, oh god, you know, <laughs> this is this is going to be tough. This yeah. is going to be uh, hard. Uh, but they never said no. They could see how much it meant to me, and they mm. never pushed me in a direction. And I, I think one of the saddest things parents can do is force their child mm. to be something they're not. Yeah, uh, and that goes you know, in a career sense and a personal sense yeah. in all kinds of ways. Like parental pressure is, mm. is it can be, but, but they've always pushed me. They've all, they've never pushed me in, in a, they've always pushed me to be the best I could be, but they've never pushed me in a direction that didn't feel suitable. Yeah. Um, you know, uni was weighing up the pros and cons and listening to their advice, but I didn't mm. feel forced by them to go. Yeah. And theater studies felt like a close enough yeah. thing to what I wanted to do anyway. Mm. So. And so 
Black Watch was when you kind of realised that you wanted to write. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah. when did you start writing then? Like, was it immediately afterwards or was it? did it take you a while? Well, I think I always wrote growing up, mm. sort of like, but, but never thought that I'd try and do it seriously. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I started to write in my own time. And again, never really thought, it's a self-conscious process, right? Mm. And, you know, you can write loads by yourself, but like the, having the goal to then put it, you'll know this, to put it in mm. front of someone is mm. very difficult. And I wrote loads just in private to myself, but it, I suppose the first time I presented like my writing to someone was probably when I started doing comedy. Mm. And then I, I, I did a few plays when I was at uni, mm -hmm. you know, I'd written and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, but it's still to this day is like, you know, you have that fraud. I mean, Neil Gaiman talks about the fraud police thing. He <laughs> does this amazing commencement speech mm. at a university, I think in London. And he talks about like his career and he talks about uh, how, uh, every day he feels like somebody's going to knock at his door and hmm. be like, you're a fraud, time's up, we've got you. <laughs> mm. He has like a clipboard and he, he you know. Wow. And every time you write something, you feel like it's such a vulnerable sort of process. Yeah. But I've been writing for, for my whole life. Even when mm. I was young, me and my, my friends used to have video cameras and we'd film each other doing <laughs> and make sketches and we'd cut them together. Wow. And, uh, so it's it's sort of been there the whole time. Mm. I never, and then I suppose recently it's, it's become a job, yeah. which is good. <laughs> <laughs> That's so interesting what you were saying about like comedy being when you first kind of put stuff in front of people. Because I guess like, with theatre, if you write a play, like you need to get all the actors. Maybe you want to get a director as well, so you're not having to do that. Whereas, like with comedy, it can be immediate. Like you can write something down, and then there's going to be an open mic somewhere, and you can just see how it fares in front of a group yes, of people. Absolutely. So, like that kind of immediacy maybe is what drew you to comedy because you're always writing, and then yes, it's like yeah. this is the easiest way to get people to see it. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny. I never really liked comedy. <laughs> I like I never really like grew up watching it like I remember we'd have these sleepovers and you know with your friends and mm. they'd like you'd steal a, a comedy DVD of, yeah. of someone of a comedian back in the day and mm. uh, the f we'd feel like really like ki edgy as kids at putting this comedy DVD on laughing at these things we didn't kind of understand mm. and I remember sort of not getting it in a way but it was always something I sort of wanted to do it was strange I I uh, but I really uh, I really sort of got drawn to the sort of because it's it's the, the most life and death art form in a mm. way, in terms of the ability to have make make traumatic sort of memories and mm. very positive memories because like you're going onto a stage like the arrogance of it is you're going onto a stage and you're saying I'm worth your time mm. not only that but I'm going to make you laugh now yeah. I mean it's most it's a very arrogant thing to do and uh, so when it goes badly yeah oh, the embarrassment you can feel is yeah. is, is unbelievable yeah. uh, and then when it goes well it's it's very addictive so it's yeah. it's a very unhealthy art form as well <laughs> <laughs> i just love that life and death that's like a really beautiful way of putting it because it's like it, it can bomb or it could like sail yes, like yes. and there's sort of like i yeah. mean there is no there's lots of places in between but like you can really tell if an audience likes something in a way that like you don't have with any other art form. Yes, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and the adrenaline and the, the moment. And I quite, I, I do get drawn to those. I, I do quite like that sort of, I mean, it's adrenaline junkie is that even an acceptable term anymore? <laughs> but 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 I but I uh, but but I do associate with that. I, I do sort of, I dread it, but then I'm addicted to the yeah. thrill. And then when it's done, I want to do it again. And yeah, and that's what comedy is. It's mm. really, you know. And that's interesting with the like, kind of 
anti-joke like thing that we were just talking about yes. where it's like what I think Monkey See, Monkey Do was asking from an audience was something very different where yeah, it wasn't yeah. necessarily always asking them to laugh or like yeah. the laugh, like you might have made a joke and then like maybe like a few beats later I might be like, oh wait, <laughs> that was quite funny. But then yes, we've yeah. moved on too quickly because we're on the treadmill, we're like going. And also like with what it sounds like with Baby Reindeer, it's kind of like, it is a similar thing where it's like you've written something for yourself, but you're not necessarily asking the audience to laugh like i was sort of saying earlier like the line between a one person show and like a comedy show feels quite fine like because you like with the one person show people always need to it does always need to be funny or else i think it's quite difficult to engage an audience so yeah. like but then it, what it's asking from the audience is slightly different from stand-up like, yes yeah i'm just interested in like the journey from monkey see monkey do to baby reindeer yeah yeah it's 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 it was interesting because because Basically, I'd, I'd, you know, I'd had a, a very, very tough 20s and I'd mm. gone through a lot of stuff. And that's what Monkey mm. See Monkey Do was about. It was basically mm. talking about uh, the sexual abuse that I hadn't come to terms with mm. uh, and, all, all, and a whole myriad of stuff and the mental problems that I'd, I'd sort of had as, as a result of that, mm. my issues of masculinity and self mm. and all these kinds of things. Um, so I, I decided to, you know, the, the, the best piece of catharsis I could maybe give myself was to just come clean about the whole thing mm. and just stand on the stage and try and make people understand how hard it's been and all this mm. kind of stuff. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, those early Edinburgh Fringe deadlines, they're like, what, like <laughs> April or something? Yeah, right. Uh, and I uh, ended up for a show in August. Mm. And I hadn't written a, a dot of it at that point. Wow. Right? Uh, and I was like, well... How did you know what it was called? Like, how, like Well, well I, find... I had the loose ideas. Right. You know, I had the sort of... I was thinking and I had some dis maybe disastrous tryout stuff, but I mm. I remember not knowing at all what it was when I did that. But I was like, well, I'm a comedian. I, <laughs> people know to look for me. Let's put it in the comedy section. Right. And the more I started to workshop the show and write it, the more I started to think, I think this might be theatre. <laughs> you know, so, so then I started doing this thing where I was like, okay, this is a show about sexual abuse. It needs to be serious at, mm. uh, at times because I can't just be joke, 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 yeah. see later. Yeah. I need to respect the trauma of it in a yeah. way. Uh, but also it needs to be funny. I need to satisfy. <laughs> so I, I gave myself this impossible writing job of trying to make it funny and trying to sort of do justice to the subject matter. Mm. Uh, and then so when I <laughs> when it came around to Baby Reindeer, I decided take a load off. Let's <laughs> let's just pay respect to the subject matter. Yeah. You know, because it was it was uh, you know it was tough doing the 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 monkey see monkey do sort of finding that balance. And I, mm. I think I did in the end, and I was very proud of how it turned out. But um, you know, having to write truthfully about that experience, but then also be like, but is it funny? <laughs> it's hard. Very you know, difficult. It's hard. Yeah. yeah. I think um, like, it's just so interesting that that categorization comes from somebody else, like, yes, or, yeah. or like meeting a deadline or something yeah, like yeah. that. Actually there isn't, because because it would have been in, it would be interesting to know what kind of show that would have been if you didn't have to put it in a comedy bracket like if, yeah, yeah. if it was just like genre doesn't exist like let's yeah, float yeah. between any, everything like wouldn't that be a perfect world yeah <laughs> but like I wonder what what that would have looked like how similar yeah. it would have been and and also maybe if it would have been as good almost like yeah. like maybe that impossible task is like mm, part mm. of what breeds creativity and what Absolutely. made it so brilliant yeah um, I think you're totally right I think as a result of it being a comedy show because people hadn't seen something like that before which was so sort of serious but also kind of funny in, in amongst mm. it all I think it stood out in, mm. in, a, in a way as a result because I I don't think somebody had done something like that in the comedy mm. world so 
Yeah, I don't know what it would have been like moving it into something else. Mm. It's, it's kind of funny. There is a comedy is the I think the one art form as well where there's there's people have such a fixed view of what it mm. is. Like I've seen theatre shows that I found so hilarious mm. from start to finish. I can mm. think of a million ones that mm. I've sat and laughed more <laughs> or as much as any comedy show I've ever seen. Mm. But the theatre world, I'd be like, it's too funny. God, get yourself to a comedy club. Do you see what I mean? Mm. But comedy, there is a, and there was quite a lot of conversation around Monkey See, Monkey Do. Well, is it is it funny enough to be a comedy mm. show? You know, uh, where I, I felt like if, if you're looking at like laughter rate and gag count, you're sort of mm. missing the point. Like, yeah. You know, I'm tr- I'm, what I'm trying to do is show that comedy, you know, can say and do things that, that enact sort of social change to a certain yeah. degree. And I always felt, as pretentious as that sounds, but mm. I always I always felt like those conversations around it were, were kind of har- mm. uh, harsh but mm. uh, so i agree like if we lived in a, a sort of uh, a boundaryless sort of genre of, of art and mm. i think that would probably be better for everyone mm. and i like it's interesting what you're saying about being pretentious like i don't think that is pretentious like i feel like most artists like most i think do believe that their work can create some social change or else they probably wouldn't do it so yeah, i yeah. think that's a really important point yeah yeah, I mean, yeah, and and yeah, it was it was a it was fu- funny old time. It was a <laughs> it was a it was a crazy time. It was like three years ago. I I and I thought it would be the ruin of me. The show <laughs> that was the strange thing. Mm. I thought it would ruin. I thought people would just be like, "Well, what's he doing? This is too dark." It's mm. you know, I I really thought it would it would be the ruin. It's crazy. But that's that's I think beautiful because like risk is when things are really yeah. amazing yeah. and because you took a risk like yeah absolutely. like feeling like it could be the ruin of you is like what made it so powerful. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, it, it was it was there was so much fear in that mm. process, like so fear of how people would react. I've never, I mean, you know, you you're creative yourself as well. And do you ever, you know, that feeling when you're like you're hitting towards a deadline where you're going to be standing on stage or your mm. or your work is going to be on stage presented to people. Mm. Uh, and you're like, God, I'd love a car to hit me right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that... not, not kill me, but like, <laughs> just really enough to take me out of action. Just for enough for like people to be like, okay, it's fine that the show. Yeah, you can't do the show. It's <laughs> yes, fine. Yeah, yeah. That's that actually leads me on to a next question really well. Like, what is it like performing your own work? Because I've never done it. And I mean, I've only written one play and I sort of knew that I couldn't be in it. Like, what does that what does that mean for you? It sounds like that's kind of most of the way that you've written. Yes, like, it is. Yeah, I'd love to try something where I I, I, I write in a bunch of other characters and that. <laughs> but I, I suppose I've always felt like the stories that I've, I've told have been so personal that it, that mm. it would probably, it, it would make sense that I tell them mm. just based on the fact that I think there would be like a truth there that, mm. that, that, that would help the art in general. I also think like the audience that I've built up over the years of, tracked me mm. and understand understand in a way like thankfully i've got a bit of an audience now and mm. that i and when they see the shows that monkey monkey do they almost understand because they've seen all the stuff beforehand mm. that maybe have hinted at, at, at mm. some of the themes and all that kind of stuff so uh sorry what was the question again sorry like I, what's did it that answer it did, yeah it did yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it do- doesn't because you're often telling personal stories. Yes, it feels exactly. like yeah. it, it makes sense for you to kind of be the performer. Or the yes, exactly. Of it. Exactly. Yeah. And I do, yeah, I do think it just gives an, a, a layer of authenticity. And, mm. and also because a lot of my shows in, in, incorporate the t- documentary stuff from my life. Mm. I mean, Monkey See Monkey Do opened with me. Uh, I was going to tell uh, somebody the, 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 what, what had happened to me for the first time. Mm. And I, that was like a big thing for me. And I, I decided to. I, I, I was walking there and I felt so queasy and I felt sick and I went into a bathroom and, and, and this was in Soho and I went into the bathroom to film myself 
feeling like I'm just off the town. I'm projectile vomiting and, and sort <laughs> of the, the t- and that was how I opened Monkey mm. and Monkey Do. So because I often try and incorporate like footage from my life because I've mm. always been a self-documenter in a way, mm. and that just sort of adds. It helps as well to sort of build in the truth of it as well mm. by being by being in the show. And like, what does your writing process look like? Like, how do you go uh, about it? Yeah, sort of obsessively. <laughs> um, bashing my head off a wall, <laughs> uh, you know, particularly Monkey Monkey Do, you know, you, and I, I have people who, who are on the team, like, uh, you know, I, I had a company called Burke's Nest and, and I had, uh, uh, and I bounced the script off them mm-hmm. a lot and they were, they were great. I love to bounce the script off people because... Mm. When you say that, what do you mean? Well, I, I will write obsessively and obsessively and right. obsessively until, until I get to the point where I'm thinking, all right, all right, this is, I've, I've exhausted this draft. Right. This is, this is, I'm, ha- I'm happy with this now. Yeah. It needs an outside eye. So right. you go and sit down and so John, did that really well on Baby Reindeer, and I'd say, mm-hmm. "What do you think of this?" John draft? Britton. Yes, yes. I know. What, uh, and what do you uh, what do you think of this draft? And he'd say, "You know, great. This bit maybe. You know." And mm. I, I like feedback, and because you mm. find out what you disagree with and what mm. you agree with. Do you mm. see what I mean? And it, it, it almost reinforces uh, the writing process because mm. because you if, if if somebody's like, "I don't like that bit," and, and you you get like defensive, yeah, it. you're like, "Oh no, no, I like this bit." So you learn yeah. what you like. And if somebody's like, "I don't like that," and you're like, "Yeah, actually, yeah, it's yeah, not very it's good. terrible." Yeah, you, know, you you start to learn what you like and what you don't like. Yeah, so it's very helpful. So yeah. I love to bounce off uh, other creative people, but mainly the, it's draft upon draft. I mean, hundreds of drafts. I mean, mm. I did hundreds of drafts for Baby Ranger and wow. hundreds of drafts for Monkey Monkey Do, like obsessively every day. And do you feel like that's partly because it is so authentic, like it's coming from your life that like it almost needs to be like find like refined and honed yeah. over yeah. ages and ages because yeah. it's so the material is so close and so raw that it almost needs more shaving to get it to a place where it's like absolutely and you, you and and you'll know this from writing yourself sometimes you write and you're sort of you're going through a process of trying to be truthful to to yourself at the same mm. time as you find that so the more you write the more you drill down into the truth <laughs> yeah and sometimes you can write and be like i'm not gonna go there yeah, I'm not gonna go yeah, there. yeah. I'm not gonna go. maybe i'll go there oh okay maybe <laughs> and it's sort of like writing and rewriting is, is you, you drill down into the the truth of it but you know, I spent hours of my life. We, but I mean, God, maybe even years of my life. <laughs> so just sit behind the laptop, sort of typing. Mm. It can be quite and lonely. So, yeah. And so, wait, do you write on a laptop exclusively, or do you do pen and paper sometimes? Yeah, laptop exclusively, mm. really. Cool. And I try not to stop. I try and just write and mm. write and write because I just try and keep it going and keep it going. Even you know, because 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 the flow is important and, mm. and and getting that focus and all that kind of stuff. So, mm. yeah, I just I just try and get sort of lost in it but you know it's it's yeah i mean there was there was versions of baby reindeer <laughs> i mean it's funny you know like it, it went for a two and a half year process really mm. and the way it mutated and mm. over that period of time i mean there was there was a version of it where i think david attenborough was the commentator on the show <laughs> i know that sounds mad no i mean um, sounds great <laughs> there was a version of it where um I think it was nothing but dialogue, like between between you know, and it was all vague and in the background mm. because it was about a stalking, mm. uh, and so like there was conversation, and you'd you'd have just me speaking to my mom in a scene, and but, mm. but then those things would trickle in, and there was like versions of the show which were compromised with this love angle that went on alongside it, mm. uh, and I, it went through so many different incarnations, and ultimately I decided after drafts and drafts and drafts mm. uh, that the best thing to do was to just tell the story. Mm. And John was great in, 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 in sort of making me believe in, you know, cause, because I've mm. always been a wacky comedian who shoved, uh, you know, like uh, treadmills on stage, and, <laughs> you know, done mm. all these mads. I turned up late to my own show. That was another one I did called Waiting for Gano. Mm. I think I was like, this needs some con- conceptual hook. Mm. But but I think, you know, when, when you bring 
Francesca, John on board, and they read it and they're like, "This is great as mm. it is." It sort Who's of Francesca? Francesca Moody, producer. So ah, I'm just great. I'm giving no, it no, first no, not names. at all. Yeah. Uh, then they make you believe that the, the story's enough, yeah. and that was and that was that was great. Yeah. You know, and it didn't need David Attenborough sort of <laughs> commentating on the action as it happened. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't make any sense, but but it it was there was method to the madness, mm, but mm. it was madness. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm really interested in also in like what you were just about to say about like how lonely it can be, and I think also because often you're the only person on stage in your work like and yeah. it's written for yourself like yeah. that kind of loneliness not only in the writing but also in the performance like yeah. what do you do to combat that if at all yes yes i i uh yeah i mean it's tough i mean i'm always going through this like because i love like it all makes it worth it when you you've spent hours alone writing something and mm. and then it's in, into a place where you're in front of an audience and you're mm. working with a stage manager and mm. and, and you've, you've got such a sense of community and mm. you feel like you're really living your life mm. uh it's all worth it in that respect but but it can be it could be tough you know like because there's so many sometimes you can be lost in development for yeah i've had mm. tele projects where you know i would love to uh, you get the camera and get the crew and everyone's <laughs> yeah. there, but you know, for whatever reason, you, you keep you, you just bounce it back and forth yeah. for years, and you feel like you spent your years sort of typing yeah. behind a, a desk, and you know, and you do have sort of existential moments where, like, you know, am I spending my life sort mm. of staring into a screen? <laughs> but I do love it, but it's but it is hard, mm. and and there's 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 been weeks and weeks where I sometimes felt like. You know, I, I haven't spoken to anyone. Mm. Are you an extrovert or an introvert or someone? Well, it's funny. I, I sort of battle with that question a weird because I think when I was growing up, I was an extrovert mm. ma- massively, and mm. I think I am an extrovert. Uh, but I, but I, but I think I think becoming more and more introverted mm. as I, I grow older in a way. Mm. Um, I like to be around people, but I think because my job is sort of extroverted, mm. I find less. I find the need to do that less in my life. Yeah, like growing yeah. up, I was a very loud. And Possibly obnoxious and <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I, I I feel like that was part of my you know I would always want to be out and I would always want to be doing things and being loud and all that stuff and mm. but I think when that started to become a job because mm. comedy is like the most it's probably the most extroverted job <laughs> yeah. you can have I think I started to feel like I didn't need to do that so much in life mm. I think I'm a much more likable person <laughs> than I used to be <laughs> um, I hope so anyway but uh, yeah it's. Uh, I don't know. I battle with that question. I don't. Mm. I sort of don't want to be an introvert. I don't want to spend hermit myself away. Well, I don't know. I, f- I feel yeah. like there's like these images of what extrovert and introverts are, and they're always extremes. And like yeah. someone really simplified it for me once. They were like, um, "It's about whether or not you get energy from being with people, or whether you get energy from being alone." And I found that really helpful as a distinction. Where it's there's no um, there's no judgment on it. It's just yes, like yeah, kind yeah. of this is just the way that you function best, almost. Yes, and I, yeah. I, I feel like sometimes I ask the question because I just find it really interesting, like being. I'm an extrovert for sure. <laughs> Whenever I do a quiz, it's like you're 89 percent extroverted. It's like oh, ridiculous. I should do a quiz. Yeah, you should. I love. I love. Um, what is it called? The 16 personalities one. It's like your oh. Myers Briggs. Check it out. Okay. Um, yeah. No, I'll check it out. Yeah, but Have like, you done the, the psychopath one where you figure out no. your psychopath scale. That's oh my quite god. Fun. Okay, I'm going to do yeah. that next. I love, I love any personality quiz. Um, but. Yeah, I, I'm such an extrovert. So I found when I started writing, I was like, this is so hot. I have to be alone with yeah. my own thoughts. And sometimes it's joyous. But like, yeah. I think as soon as other people got involved, I was like, oh, this is great. Like, I can be with other people. And I guess also being an actor as well, just like sort of being used to being around other people. Yes, like, and yeah. being used to bouncing ideas off other people. And I, it's really interesting when I asked you the question about writing, the first thing you talked about was bouncing it off other people. So I, I like wonder whether that yeah. kind of extroversion 
within your writing is is there because it's kind of like straight away I'm going to show it to somebody as soon yeah, as I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's interesting. Well, well, usually I hammer it. Uh, I hammer it out for a, a while by myself. Mm. I, I actually do wait until I have the confidence to show it to someone. Mm. So usually I'll introvert it to the point where I can't introvert it anymore <laughs> before I extrovert it. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah. I mean, Baby reindeer. I think I, you know. I think it was like six months before I, I plucked mm. up the courage to show it to someone. And I think yeah. that was um, a friend of mine called Stoff, who, mm. who is a great editor and helps me with some of the editing stuff that mm. I do. And, and uh, even a, a guy that I knew for years and years and is one of my best friends, mm. I, uh, I still was like sweaty palms and all that yeah. sort of mad stuff. But I just think it's important to get an outside perspective. Yeah, I don't think a show can be... That's why we preview, isn't it? Yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. you know, I, I don't know whether a show could be good if you're like right yes that's perfect let's get mm. it no well yeah because it is for an audience in yeah. a way like i feel like there are other art forms like novels and like um paintings where it's like it needs to almost be a distilled vision of what one person wants it to be and and because somebody reads it by themselves like they're they're intimate like those art forms whereas like because theater and comedy and everything is, is public it sort of needs feedback on it because like this is how audience B sitting in the corner could see it. And this is how, like, I don't know, yes, like yeah, yeah. the publicness means that you sort of need feedback on it, I guess. Yes, exactly, exactly. And, and uh, you know, may maybe people do sort of just be like, yeah, you know, I've written it, that's the show. And mm. I'm not going to sort of listen to, to the previews. I'm not going to listen to people around. Yeah. But I think that could be quite tough, you know, because I can't imagine it being sometimes good. when you write inside, yeah, exactly. Sometimes when you write inside something, you sort of can't see the wood from the trees mm -mm. you know you can you can obsess there's lines in baby reindeer that i uh have wanted to cut mm. you know because i'm like but then people really relate to that yeah, you know yeah. so so, you, so sometimes it can give you confidence in places where you didn't have it mm. and, and vice versa you can be really cling to something <laughs> yeah. that sticks out in an oblong way that doesn't yeah. quite sort of uh work and then you realize the second you, it's gone the whole thing moves cleaner and quicker mm -mm. so oh, i think it's vital mm. but um yeah, so I don't know. Maybe I'm halfway between an introvert and an extrovert. <laughs> I don't know. I don't mm. know. I, I sort of want to know, but I'm yeah. not sure. Well, uh, please do the quiz and text me and let me know what <laughs> will, you get. I will, yeah, yeah. What does like a working day look like for you? Oh, I put myself through pretty uh, rigorous. Uh, because it is my job, I sort of feel like I should treat it as such. Mm. So I go and I have various writing spots around town. Mm. So you don't uh, write in your room or in your house? No, no, mm. I get out the house really. Mm -hmm. And occasionally I will if I'm mm. like knackered, I'll write in, but I find it very good to sort of get out. And Where do you go? Is it like always a cafe? Do you always have to pay to be there or like? <laughs> well, I, I usually don't because of obviously the, the issue, the, the stalking issues, I better, uh, I better not say. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, say. <laughs> please don't say, please do um, not. <laughs> but, I, but, but I have various spots around town. I keep mm. it, uh, I keep it just sort of varied and, and I like quiet. I like a place that's quiet where a lot of people are. Mm. Um, and, uh, but not, not deathly quiet. That, mm. that doesn't work. So, right. so I liked the feeling of when you habituate to a lot of sound, but mm. it, you know, in the back, like cafes are obviously, obviously very good. So do you have headphones or do you not have headphones? So you could kind of tune into that hubbub. Yeah, no, I usually don't. I usually oh. just sort of do it. But, but I, but I put myself, I write, you know, I'll be doing writing. Yeah. I'll be writing every day for hours and mm. I put myself through at least, nine to five and wow. usually more and there's some and do you write from nine to five if you yeah, do yeah and there's other things that you pretty much yeah that's there's amazing there's emails and like you might be editing something like yeah. I might be editing sound of, but I'll work on stuff projects that I'm doing from for well over 40 hours a week I'm wow. obsessed and even when I go to bed I'm like flicking through my phone trying to figure mm. out what's wrong with this treatment what's wrong with this script that's incredible it's sort of obsessive yeah but I people say I'm too hard on myself and I think I am but, <laughs> but I 
but I, 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 I do enjoy it. It's mm. hard, but I do enjoy it. But I think it's my job and, you know, people, you know, have to put on a suit and go into the city mm, and, mm. and do it for 40 hours. So if this is my job, then I should, you know, put on a T-shirt and go <laughs> to a cafe and do it for 40 hours as well, at yeah. least, you know, so. I really respect that. I, I like... um I have this thing called masterclass. It's like great. Like if you're just starting out and I was like, I was trying to write a pilot and I was like, oh, I just need to like learn how to write for screen. I don't know how to do this. <laughs> so I like signed up for this thing called masterclass where you could watch somebody like an expert just talk. So it was Shonda Rhimes. I was like watching hers and it was like 30 lessons. And she said, a writer writes every day. Like, and I was like, shit, I don't do that. <laughs> like, So people who like, you know, do do it nine to five. I find that really impressive. Like, yeah. because it, I feel like sometimes I'm just squeezing blood from a stone so like to sit whatever happens yeah. like nine to five and do it i find really impressive well i think it's whatever works for for you because that's like i remember i i don't know whether this was i just remember crispin letts someone i know a lovely man and tell me this story about two writers it's like a, i think it's a fable like people talk about this two two writers and one uh, would just every day sit put themselves through their paces and mm. write 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 obsessive, obsessive and then someone would just go around their day and all of a sudden they'll be in the middle of Sainsbury's or the middle of their garden and gardening mm. and they'll be like I've got an idea and then they'll run to the computer and just mm. do it and who's to say what one's right I suppose it's whatever one works for for the person yeah. but, but I I think I do that because I want to I think I do that because I, I, I just feel like if I devote as much time to it then you know things quicken and things and I better you know I just feel like I'm improving if I'm writing all the time and, mm. and that you, you speed processes up and you yeah. speed like development you get out development and you get into something practical and mm. uh, so that's why I do it but I, I'm not saying that it's the right way to do it. and if anything it it's can be the path to insanity <laughs> so uh, so I think you know as and when is also as good as good as anything mm. so you talk a lot about kind of it being your job like when did that happen and also like what were you doing before it was your job like what kind of money jobs did you have to sort of sustain yourself i worked in a bar for years when i, mm. when I moved to london when did i start getting that job did i move to london 20 halfway through 2012 or 2011 mm. i can't remember but i i worked in that bar on and off because occasionally you'd get like an acting job or you'd mm. go to the fringe and you'd have like a a full-time, not full, you'd have a full-time job for a little bit and then mm. you'd have to go back to the bar when your money ran out. Mm. Uh, but I think I uh, left that job for good, uh, like maybe going into 2016, uh -huh. uh, just before like Monkey See Monkey Do sort mm -hmm. of happened. Uh, you know, and there'd be periods of time like I got an acting job on a show called Tripped and that mm -hmm. made me enough money to, to sort of be full-time for maybe six months. Mm -hmm. And when you say full-time for six months, as in you did the acting job and then you had enough money so that you could just write for yeah, the intervening time. Yeah, stuff, yeah, cool. yeah. Mm. Uh, But in terms of, you know, there being a flow of income and a flow of uh, work, pretty much uh, sort of, yeah, from, 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 from about, yeah, I would say... I'm trying to think of waiting for Gad or was it uh, maybe from about 2015 onwards? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and right. then and then really like being a it's more comfortable. It's never comfortable, but mm -hmm. more comfortable mm -hmm. from monkey see monkey do onwards. Really mm -hmm. was mm -hmm. when, when things started to come. Mm. come and more at that point where it's like cool, I'm making a living from this. Like, yes, yeah, 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 exactly. And you know, I'd, I'd kill myself to get there. And then there was times when you question whether you ever would. Mm. And, and uh, you know, you you know, time can just go in a pub. You know, mm. like time just disappears, and, mm. you know, and, uh, you know, the light didn't shine through the windows. <laughs> you, you feel like you're spending your life in, in that place. And I loved the place and they were very supportive to me and they always gave me time off and they always let me come back and they always gave me the good shifts. Mm, <laughs> mm. But, uh, you know, there were times when I, I was like, well, 
what, what do I do if it doesn't work out? Mm, how many years were you working at that same pub, was it? Uh, 20, I can't remember if it was 2011 when I came to London, 2012, but if we say 2011, it's one, two, three, four, pretty much on and off for about four, four years, mm. I'd say. And you didn't have a different job, like it was always the pub that was kind it of was your mainstay of... Uh, God, did I have another thing? I feel, I feel like, uh, you know, I'd occasionally pick up like a treatment or I'd occasionally right. do like a little acting job or mm-hmm. do something like that. Yeah. So those were those also supplied sort of uh, a bit of income for me. Mm. Uh, did I do anything else? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd had a job when I... Uh, <laughs> uh, I can't even remember. It was DLR line, if I remember. But I oh. I was one of the people who dress up as an alien, jump out on you in those what? scare, those <laughs> scare places. You know, when you go through... Um, how am I describing it? You, you go through like... Uh, uh, do you know, like the, it's on, on the, the, like the Dracula experience? No, oh, no. Right. It's, it's, oh, sorry, no. It was. I just I remember the it was DLR. That. Oh, right, right. It was in the, the docklands. <laughs> I thought you meant that, like somebody paid you to jump out at people on yeah, the DLR. Yeah. No, it was the docklands, and and you go down and you would do, uh, <laughs> and it was like a, it was like a, they would have guns and they would shoot you with pellets, right? And you had to dress up as an alien. You'd have like armor, but it wasn't good enough because you would get you. It would kill. Like these pellets would Ow. kill you, and you'd jump out and be like, and they'd shoot you with these paintball pellets. And I remember the money was not worth what it was. <laughs> and I remember like it was like it got to the point where I would be, I'd have gloves under gloves, under like uh, t-shirts, under jumpers, under just just so the pellets didn't hurt. Oh no matter God. what, they would still hurt. That does not sound like worth a, it. No, it was a tough job. So I remember doing that. I did all these odd odd little jobs and. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I always remember, you know, you'd see these people coming in. I don't know if this is too much of a tangent, but mm. you'd see these people coming in uh, and you'd, you'd get lads coming in and be like, yeah, I don't need all this armor. Mm. And they'd go in with like a T-shirt on oh, and they'd no. just be like, just put the mask on, they'd go in with a T-shirt on and they would just get, there would be blood streaking oh down my their God. arms. Oh my God. Yeah, it was brutal. It was tough. <laughs> and like, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I did that and uh, I got by and it was tough. I, I, I lodged with a, a family in Muswell Hill, uh, mm. a friend of mine's mom. Uh, and, uh, you know, luckily she gave me a, a, a much better rate than mm. London rates. Yeah. And uh, that allowed me to survive as well. Yeah. But it was tough. It was mm. a tough few years. And, like, what kind of motivated you in that time? And also what keeps you motivated now as well? Because, like, even though you're earning enough to, like, live sustainably off of writing, like, it still is difficult, as we've said. Like, yes, yeah, yeah. I Just... just excitement and just wanting things to happen and having dreams and goals mm. I, I suppose keep 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 you going mm. uh and that's always what's kept me going i've just there's just uh i just like every time i do an artistic process like baby reindeer or monkey monkey do i'm reminded why why i'm doing it and i just want to chase that feeling again mm. of, of being in a situation where you've written something you've, you've sweated you've a lot of blood for it and then you you it's in a position and people appreciate it and you're mm. having fun doing it and all mm. those things like it makes it all worth it so mm. just chasing those sort of dreams and you know and creating memories i guess mm. does that sound too pretentious no not at all but uh but yeah i think i think i i that that's that's enough for me i think mm. And also, like, that feeling of, like, knowing that you might be inspired soon or, or you're working towards something can yeah. be, like, what helps you. But, like, also taking care of your mental health as well. Like, because I guess, like, I don't know, something about the structure that you talk about makes you feel like, oh, I feel like I'd maybe be, be taking care of myself a lot better if I did have that structure. But, yeah, like, yeah. it can feel pr- quite precarious at times. Like, what? how do you take care of your mental health around, like, this kind of job as well? Uh, well, it's tough. Mm. And it is really tough because you, you sometimes question whether it'll like ever settle. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because you're life of a freelancer, you bounce from job to job. Mm. And because they do comedy and because they do acting and because they do mm. writing, 
it's all, you never know where you're going to be. You never know mm. what's going to take you where. And you question whether you'll ever like settle, whether you'll mm. ever have a settled life. And, mm. you know, people who have nine to fives and, it's, you know, there, there, there is a, there is a slight envy of the fact that, you know, <laughs> they, they know where they'll be at what mm. time. And they can build their life around that. Mm. But, but we, we don't have that luxury. And I, mm. I find that quite, uh, I find that quite tough. I would like to know that it'll get to a point where I can I can settle, mm. and I can I can know that it's all, it's going to be all right for the rest of the time. Mm. Uh, yeah, so I, yeah, so I can breathe out a little bit. But mm. but but that that's yeah, that's that's the biggest pressure I think. And it's interesting, like because I feel like by creating a nine to five for yourself, it's almost like giving yourself that structure that makes yeah. you like existentially on like a sort of base foundation we, we will never really be settled or, or maybe we will touch it <laughs> soon but um but almost like being like well i'm going to be at a desk wherever it is from yeah. nine to five today and that will make me feel like solid yeah that sounds like almost that's a technique that maybe is to like yeah create that stability absolutely yeah yeah 100 percent. and i uh yeah it just it just allows me to feel like i'm maintaining it as mm. well you know it's it's Structure is important, I think, mm. and I, I think you know a lot of creatives do f give themselves hard task when they they, they they don't give themselves structure and they mm. they sort of uh, you know everything's seat of the pants and everything's a bit yeah. sort of uh, last minute and rushed. I, mm. I, I think they, they they're doing themselves a disservice sometimes, but uh, but maybe that's you know maybe maybe they're happier. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe they embrace the chaos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Exactly. I mean, who who knows what's right? But mm. I certainly feel like that helps me maintain. A, grip on it mm. and like you kind of talked a little bit earlier like I'm just interested in like how you get your shows on and programmed and like like the process of like did you self-produce for monkey see monkey do and then also yeah. what the journey was like to getting baby reindeer not only programmed at Edinburgh but then at the bush like what that journey is yes yeah with with comedy it's very different to theater and I, I guess I didn't know that and uh you know, I remember with Monkey See Monkey Do, for for example, I, I hired a, a, a team called Burke's Nest who were great, and, mm. and you hire them, and they they act as an outside eye. They book previews, they mm -hmm. they do the you know, and and you they they take a lot of the admin stuff off your plate, which is mm. great, uh, and they they offer sort of creative help as as and when you need it, mm. but but it was still me funding it out mm. my own pocket, mm. and especially when you've got a bar job, and you mm. know, so all the shows had to be DIY, they mm. had to look rough and ready, like mm. that was a choice when mm. reality was that, that that you know financially that had to be the case <laughs> yeah. you know but i made the most of it but mm. but you know monkey monkey do i was buying you know treadmills off gum tree and, <laughs> like finding they're not suitable and reselling mm. them oh and my gosh. buying steppers i mean i had I, I bought an abundance of of sort of uh, exercise equipment and you know so so there was a self-producing element to it and and uh, you go up to edinburgh you find your own flat you pay for it and mm. it, it, it can be a real uh I remember feeling that. I remember shoving a load of it on credit cards as well and mm. feeling like really like the pressure of, of that. Oh so then you flip into theater and this mm. is the first time I've, I've been sort of produced in a theater sense, which, uh, you know, I, as you know, is, is sort of somebody sort of saying, okay, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll license the show off you and I'll, mm. I'll pay for the risk in a way, mm, mm. Uh, which takes a lot of the pressure off in a way. So it's, it's sort of interesting. Like, like it's sort of interesting the sort of difference between the two, but... You know, it, it's nice getting to a stage where somebody believes in you enough mm. to be like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna front the, this risk." Yeah, yeah. You know, that that's quite a nice, uh, that's quite a nice thing, mm. I think. And 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 that was the main that that was that that was the sort of difference. And 
you know, and, and, and Baby Reindeer was, uh, I think Francesca said something along the lines of, uh, one-man shows, you know, the cheapest to produce. But <laughs> then, of course, we ask for God knows how many projectors and revolving <laughs> stages and all these mm, kinds of mm. things. And uh, yeah. Uh, and so Francesca, Francesca Media's the producer. Like, was it that um, you had the script for Baby Reindeer, like one of the versions, one of the many, and then was Francesca on board and then did she sort of pitch it to the bush? Like, what was the sort of journey oh, well, of actually, the programmed? The, the bush was kind of, we, we, we did a preview at the bush. Uh, I think they were doing like a comedy theater thing and and, oh. and we did a, a, a preview at the bush uh that jess and deirdre came down to their, mm. their producers at the bush mm-hmm. and they came down to see it and mm. and they were interested in that point mm-hmm. and when, when the net came in uh we had some meetings mm-hmm. and 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 all that kind of stuff so it sort of grew organically from mm. this, this preview and so did. when was that like what was that like last year that, that like was, yeah i think that preview was actually december like 20th 2006 what was the last year? 2018. Like 2018 yeah. yeah, I think it was like then. <laughs> okay, cool. I'd done a few previews before that and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but 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 that that sort of gauged their interest when they decided right. to do this comedy thing. And and I I I remember saying to them at the time, look, I I don't want to do a comedy show. Can I actually mm. try a theatre as a comedian trying theatre? Yeah. And they seemed to really really like that. Yeah. And they came down and they were very supportive. Uh, and then their interest sort of stayed on it. And then mm-hmm. when the net came in, she was great, mm. and she believed in it. Uh, mm. As did Daniel. Mm. And uh, yeah, I was I was very humbled that they were interested mm. in in it. And uh, yeah, I'm really proud to be someone like that. Mm. I mean, isn't it great? Yeah. Like, it's a great theatre, and it's a great first season. of Lynette's yeah. amazing, and there's so, so much buzz about the place. I yeah. feel very humbled to be part of that, especially mm. coming from a world where. Just, just a different world, you know, mm. like like there's always the worry that people don't know that I appreciate it because he's comedy. I, I don't really know that, you know, mm. sometimes I go into these production meetings and they're talking about stretch gauzes and I'm like, what the hell is all this? Do you know <laughs> what? what I mean? <laughs> mm. um, and uh, yeah, and all this kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, it was just very exciting. And and they sort of just saw, saw the bones of something in that December mm. preview and wanted to, to, to stay involved. So yeah. that, that was very nice. Mm. Yeah. And so... What was the rehearsal process like in in the run up to Edinburgh, and then what was it then like having it in front of audiences, specifically for Baby Reindeer? Yeah, uh, stressful. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it, it was a very technical show. Mm. There was a lot of moving parts, uh, video, uh, audio, uh, stage. You know, we had a revolve, and the revolve mm. broke quite early on into rehearsals. And you know, how do you block something if mm. if you don't have the revolving element yeah, that is yeah. key to the, the whole show. So, you know, there was a lot of stress, a lot mm. of panic. Uh, uh, but, 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 but above all, a sense that we're all moving and we're all in this together, you mm. know, in a very, very positive way. There was, a, there was a team energy that I, you know, that I loved. We were all, we're all panicked, but mm. we're all <laughs> panicked together. <laughs> together, yeah. And, uh, but, you know, there was a lot of there was a lot of stuff, things, things as well, like when you outsource stuff in the, in the theater world, which is very different to the comedy, you sort of outsource stuff and you have somebody somebody who goes away and they they there was already an audio design from the, the, the bush uh, that, that I put together. But you give that to someone like mm. a, who, who will put it through speakers and do, yeah. do their own version of it. Yeah. Uh, and then same with the video and and, mm. and so people are delivering stuff at different times so yeah. you never actually get a sense of it all hanging together until yeah. you're in that dress rehearsal uh, the tech rehearsal in Edinburgh and mm. then you're in the, the room and it's the first time you're like well is this going to work because yeah. all the elements are together for the first time mm. and uh, you know and then you've got like six hours to tech mm. which isn't enough really yeah. because in, at the bush you get like a day yeah, maybe yeah. even more mm. 
But then I just remember being in Edinburgh and having this six-hour tech and everyone was running around, and, <laughs> you know, and I think I think I remember we, we had a lunch break and, and uh, I remember <laughs> we I think there's 21 or maybe 24 scenes. And there's like short scenes in the mm. whole show. And I think we lunch break like halfway through our designated tech on about scene three or four. No. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there was there was terror in the mm. eyes of everyone. Uh, so we had to pinch tech time here and there, a few hours there, a few hours here. Mm. And somehow we, we we all got it got it to where it needed to be. But mm. uh, but it was a seat. Of the, it, was, it was stressful. Seat of the pants. Yeah. It was a, it was a it was a it was a tough, tough process yeah. because because of all the tech elements, mm. you know, you, you you're putting your faith in yeah, phlegmatic in, technical stuff. Yeah. It's mad. And then what was it like in front of an audience, especially given that you hadn't had that much time to kind of put all of those tech elements together? Yeah. We, 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 exactly. We hadn't had time to put the tech elements together. We, we were doing all these things. There was a lot of rehearsals in rooms. There was a lot of all the tech team and all the, the, the crew. And we're all like in bedrooms in flats sort of <laughs> trying to recreate the, the, the thing and recreate the projection somehow oh on like this bedroom floor. And it was, it was stressful. Like, mm. and, and, uh, uh, and I think the the first show there was there was a sense that that the first show, uh, I think you know, uh, I even think like there was there was some I wouldn't name names, but I heard some people naming it as a, as a write off, which which I, mm-hmm. I, I I never want to go on stage thinking something's going to be a write off, <laughs> but but I I remember uh, you know we, we there was a show and I, and we were standing on stage and I knew the blocking roughly. Mm. Uh, that, that there was like hundreds of cues. Poor Caitlin, she's amazing. But there was, honestly, I think 500 cues, maybe mm. even more. She's hitting the space bar like all the time, oh all God. the way through the show. And then, of course, there's the revolve that she's doing where she has to revolve the stool. And there was like, there was, and I just remember going out being like, genuinely feeling a, a sense of sort of terror as to, mm. to, to how this was going to play out. And weirdly, it just sort of, sometimes first night, no, it just sort of clicked. Mm. There, was, there was certainly mistakes. There was certainly me standing in the wrong place. There were mm. certainly like times when I wasn't lit. Or I was mm. given like a follow. There were certainly times when the stool was retained when it shouldn't have been. And mm. all this stuff that we we, we were, but 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 it, it got received so well. The audience mm. like, laughed loads and, and I mm. wasn't aware that it was funny. And, <laughs> and, uh, and then I remember they all sort of stood up at the end. Mm. Uh, and I was just very like, I was very surprised by that because because yeah. because we we were all I could see that we we're all sort of like this this we're panicked about this yeah. show like there was panic in the air. I'm feeling like that sounds quite similar to how you felt about Monkey See Monkey Do. Even though with that process you were much more alone in lots of ways. Yes, like yeah. this is like this show will be the ruin of me, and then like <laughs> the sort of panic of Baby Reindeer and all the tech. And it feels like there's something in your work about like doing something incredibly ambitiously or like feeling like something's a huge risk and yeah. it, like paying off really well. Yeah, and yeah. that feeling like it translates incredibly well to theatre because it's like, I'm going to do something in a weird way that maybe no one will be into, but I'm going to do it and I'm going to be gung-ho about it and then it like coming off quite well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Every every time I do a show, I'm like, I'm not, it's not going to be a panicked rush, but Mm. no matter what happens, it always is. Do you know what I mean? It's (laughs) always like those two weeks, just somehow you feel like they slip away from you. And to be fair, I think that is theatre. That's just like, what happens you're like yeah oh god there's never enough time yeah yeah absolutely and it was the same with monkey monkey i remember sitting with owen who was uh one of the producers at burke's nest and i remember um sitting with him and, and just like being like this is you know they're, they're gonna be like this is i just feeling like we'd done a preview in balham and mm. it was like a, i remember it was a disaster that was our last one before edinburgh and it uh-huh. just wasn't good oh. And uh, we, I think we were both terrified without sort of admitting it. And I think mm. I was trying to be like, look, Owen, I'm terrified about this. Mm. And, 
and him trying to convince me that, that I shouldn't be knowing fine well in his eyes, he was <laughs> terrified too. Yeah. And I remember being backstage on opening night, sort of, it was free fringe, so it was this rudimentary mm. sort of pub space. It was great, great mm. venue, but it was like, I had to hide behind a curtain <laughs> and take to the wall. Mm. Like, I'd just be like, oh, I can't believe I'm about to do this. Mm. This could be the longest month of my life. Mm. And then the show just clicked, it just mm. mad clicked. And then again, people stood up, I remember, and, and, and uh, uh, I just remember just, just, and it turned into being the best month of my life. It just shows mm. you can never predict things. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. That's really, it's really lovely to hear when you're, <laughs> my play's going to be on soon. It's like a really lovely, like, thing to hear before starting rehearsals. That's like very inspiring and comforting. Thank you, Richard. <laughs> um, um, I'm like interested in like what you think success looks like. Like if you could imagine yourself as successful, what that might look like. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's an interesting question. I think it's sort of, it could be kind of dangerous to think that way. Mm. Um, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. I feel like um, there's, there's deg degrees of success. I mean, mm. I mean, I, I I would say success is just giving it a shot in the first place in a mm. way, and just like mm. having the goal to do it. Like anyone who takes a show to the fringe and puts themselves in the firing line, even mm. if they're, they're performing to one person at night, mm. they're doing what they love and they're giving it a shot. That mm. that is success. There's success just being full time at something that's hard to be full time yeah. at. There's, but then there's of course there's people who see success as having a million pounds in a yacht. Mm, so mm. I certainly don't see it as that. Mm. But but uh, you know it's it's it's, it's a tricky question. I try not sort of I try not think about. It. I try not define yeah. success because I think the second you do, you you clamber for something that that is sort of almost without definition anyway. So yeah. you're clambering for something that 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 sort of. It's completely subjective, but yeah. I think that's that, that's tricky. I think also, like, sometimes I th I view something as, oh, I'll be really successful if I do that. And then sometimes in my life I've done it, and then I'm like, okay, wow, what yeah. next? Like, yes, and exactly. so I exactly. think that's a really nice way of thinking about it, where it's like the the next project, that happening is yeah. success. Yes, like, exactly, exactly. you've made something and you've done something that you love. Yeah. That's a really... I've, I've had dreams and stuff, and... Mm. I think that dreaming is is nicer than the idea yeah, of success. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. And uh, and I think that's it. You know, I think I, th I think of what the next thing I want to do is rather yeah. than rather than where I want to be in, in five ten years. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. all that stuff. And I think that's quite a healthy way of doing it. Mm, yeah. I love that. You've um, led on very well to my next question. I'm also interested in like what inspires you and like what you're excited about doing next. Yeah, yeah. I get inspired by by work that I I sort of obsess with. I love like the feeling of. Uh, you know, watching something and, and feeling overwhelmed by like incredible art and mm. stuff like that. I get a lot of it through television and, you know, I talk about Black Watch, I talk about a show I saw called Roadkill that years mm. ago as well. And, in, in, uh, you know, I, I saw Bryony Kimming's show recently mm. and, and I, uh, you know, it, 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 it sort of, you know, that feeling where you're awestruck is, mm. is, is what inspires me to try mm. and be as good as that. And, uh, you know, I even had it watching like the last season of Fleabag. I know that's mm. something that's, that's thrown around a lot, but mm. I, I, I watched it uh, pretty much in a one when I was ill in bed and uh, <laughs> I was overwhelmed by how sort of, it was almost like mythically perfect. Mm. It was sort of crazy, mm. you know. Mm. Um, uh, you know, I think about that, I think about The Wire, The Sopranos, all this stuff that's like mm. sort of inspired me. And I think to, to stay like inspired is to, to keep seeing things that, 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 that do inspire you, mm. to remind you that, of things to to remind you of trying to do something like that you know mm. 
And what was the second part of the question? What you're excited about doing next? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I'm excited. Like, we're going to tour the show around. They're going to go to New York and LA. Whoa. We might even be going to Singapore and Hong Kong. Oh, my God. Sick. So I'm excited to sort of take the show around and yeah. see how it is in different places, different cultures. Yeah. Uh, go to different countries and experience what, what that is like. I'm yeah. very I'm very excited for that. You mm. know, I, I I sort of enjoy, like, like my my goal was to do a theatre show. Mm-mm. And I sometimes think, like, when, when you sort of achieve a goal or you've, you've arrived at the next thing that you wanted to do. Yeah. And I quite like riding that wave for a bit and seeing mm-hmm. what happens rather yeah. than like being like, right, what's next? And yeah. putting that sort of pressure on myself. Mm. Uh, so I'm, en- I'm going enjoy, to enjoy, enjoy this a moment for, yeah. for, for a while first. But I'm looking forward to touring. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens and how the show could splinter off into other forms. Mm. Who knows? And can you remind our listeners when it's going to be on? Oh, yes, please. Where? That would um, be great. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the show is going to be on uh, next at the Bush Theatre in London. It's going to be on from the 9th of October to the 9th of November. Mm. Uh, and I'm very excited. I think there's matinees every Wednesday and Saturday. Ah, nice. And um, So where is it touring to in the UK? Uh, I think we're going to do that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know whether we've figured out the dates because uh-huh. I've got like a, an acting job next year. There's a right. bit of jiggery-pokery okay, we okay. have to do. But, uh, but we'll be available to be viewed in 20, 2020 as well. Yes, yes. And I'm sure I'll... Uh, <laughs> Do I just do I do I announce my Twitter? Oh, yeah, I always, do it. I always do put it. them down on a break in a pin tweet. I always put my dates up. So yeah. uh, at Mr. Richard Gard, more information will be released there. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Thank you so much for that seamless plug. <laughs> it was terrible. terrible <laughs> no, no, no. Complete. So necessary then. Thank you so much for joining me. It was so wonderful to talk to you. Lovely to talk to you as well. Yeah. And I, I look forward to seeing your play. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much for listening to Making It. If you'd like to hear more, make sure to subscribe and leave us a cheeky five-star review. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Way, and you can book to see my debut play, The High Table which will be on at the Bush Theatre in Shepherd's Bush from February the 8th. Making It is produced by Jane Ryan, edited and scored by Kazra Ferruzia, photography by Jess Ravel, artwork by Theo Banner, and hosted by me, Temi Wilkie. The podcast is supported by the Bush Theatre and London Playwrights and is a proud member of the One Fine Play Network.